Are you ready to begin? I am. Hello. This is Sad Girl Syllabus, a commentary on media through the ages. Each season, we have a new syllabus to dive into. I'm Bethany. And I'm Mary. And we are two girls. Too sad. And spooky. Oh, and spooky, yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. Can't forget that as we jump into the syllabus. <laughs> I barely know my lines still. <laughs> throw me for a loop Bethany I know sir (laughs) I thought that it was gonna get in there without being too noticeable um no I'm just dumb so anyways keep going it's a spooky season and our anniversary season I think oh yeah because we're spooky girls um and so that's when we started yeah oh all sad girls are spooky girls bye yeah. By definition. Yeah. Yeah. But not all spooky girls are sad girls. I think that might be true. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Some people find great joy in being spooky. Yeah. I mean, I, I do. But. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I. Hmm. Interesting. We'll have to suss, suss that out. I know. Distinction. <laughs> um. Yes, it is. We've been around for a year. So thanks, listeners, for for sticking around. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I kind of can't believe it. Yeah, me neither. Actually, no, I can. We're, we're great. <laughs> You're right. I'm discrediting our spookiness. And our commitment. Our I commitment to not reading. <laughs> to just watching film adaptations that will not change this season <laughs> we used to read yeah remember so, when we read I read Wuthering Heights in like three days I know the first <laughs> season was all reading I read Dracula yeah 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 we actually read <laughs> we could get we could get there again it's like basically going through like the stages of high school where you're like as a yeah. freshman you're being really good and studying and by the time you get to your senior year you're like I'm, I've never read a book <laughs> yeah cliff notes please um hopefully sad girl syllabus is like a like the quirky cliff notes yeah I mean we've read books before <laughs> You can read. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think too, because like also after after the first season, after Gothic literature, we got more into like film and pop culture anyway. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sort of naturally progressed that way. But so. anyway, uh, <laughs> without further ado. It's season seven. Damn. A holy Spooky number. Heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we are uh, exploring a great genre of horror, a genre of horror that Mary introduced me to. 
Um, Did I really? Yeah. I had no idea about folk horror until we had film club. The one time, oh. like the, the one and only meeting of film club. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about horror films and you, yeah, said you like said a few words on folk horror. Oh. And I was like, holy shit. So I'll let you define it because that was great. Shit. Um, I was going to make you define it. (laughs) Um, Well, I do think, so folk horror is a more recent term that has been applied backwards onto films. But um, I think, and I think the definition can be contested. (laughs) But for me, generally, when I think about folk horror, it's horror that's based in um history of a place and a people um oftentimes and I think this is and this can be like the land it can be ritual and it's often you know a way to combat either colonialism you see horror as a manifestation in some way of combating like colonialism um or modernity Mm -hmm. um and sort of oh the desire of a return to some sort of force that's desiring a return to some past state or um or something similar to that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that and that is wide-ranging um would would you say anything different um no I would add um that it's usually like uh it's usually trying trying to or I guess it's not not usually but in the case of the of the movies that we're talking about today it's about like in reversing or inversing the idea of the other which is similar Mm. to the whole colonialism thing um like whereas colonialism is a dominant culture that is um going into another culture and uh, dominating them and um persecuting or oppressing them for the dominating forces uh gain but it inverses that relationship where you have an outsider coming into a community and um the outsider who is normally functioning in like a conventional society or like is part of a dominating uh group is othered Mm. when they enter into the into the space and then I would, and then the other thing that I would add is like, usually when that is not the case, when it's not, cause sometimes like I've noticed, I've noticed that like, because yeah, it is such a, it is a new term or a new genre. And then people are like trying to make work in that genre, mm-hmm. trying to be very intentional about it. And I've noticed that, um, sometimes like, um, sometimes it gets away from that, like outsider, other relationship thing uh and into um into like other social justice causes like environmentalism Mm -hmm. um I'm thinking about the feast uh which was an A24 movie uh (laughs) (laughs) um from like 2019 I think but uh and in in a lot of like really new films it focuses on like legend and folklore yeah um and storytelling to and like uh really like twists it and makes it disturbing um Mm -hmm. and yeah like really making it horror right yeah like um (laughs) it's not articulate but (laughs) no no that totally was I don't know if you watch this but there's actually probably also what I shared 
years ago. Um, there's this really great YouTube creator and I love her definition of folk horror. She's talking about um, a specific movie, but she brings in other references um, that possibly folk horror isn't just like, oh, this like, you know, the, the past is in the present sort mm -hmm. of fear. Mm -hmm. um, but, or like, yeah, these folklore tales, but also like a literal fear of folk, of people, yeah. of yeah. organized groups of people. And that is again, like when you're the other coming in and, 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 and the scariness of an organized collective. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, that obviously manifests in very different ways. And, and now I feel like you see a lot of work being done of like, um, well, I guess to say this, these are themes that have been in the horror genre since the horror genre was created. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you do see a lot of people, you know, kind of recontextualizing movies under this genre, looking at it almost as a lens, mm -hmm. um, like sort of, a, a studies, um, and then kind of like claiming different movies. It's like, oh, this is folk horror. And then of course, like you said, people making movies now as a folk horror genre mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. um, and then just a shout out also, if you're interested in the topic to Kayla Janese, um, who made in this insane documentary that's <laughs> so complete and compositive. Um, all these haunts BRs, I feel like I'm getting oh, the name cool. wrong. Um, oh but that is like international film. It's, it's all over. It's, uh, really, really comprehensive. If you're interested <laughs> in folklore, like absurdly comprehensive. <laughs> Whoa. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Is it, does it stream somewhere? It might've been on shutter. Oh, okay. um, I'll have to check again. Cool. But cool. it's, it's a long one. So <laughs> like buckle up. I think it, if it isn't on Shutter now, it was, but, and I assume it'll be back for Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really, really good. And like, I think that, um, yeah, that definition of like being afraid of, of folk <laughs> is, um, uh, cause there's always like something really intimidating, primally intimidating about being the outsider coming into a group, um, and like encountering a click or something. <laughs> Um, Ooh, why isn't there a folk horror high school movie? Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> or I guess like any like uh, the craft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's just like it's it's hard to like be to be an outsider, and especially when you. I think that what what makes it all come together is sort of like an insulated community that is a return to the past um or that is that has very clear and present roots in their past mm -hmm. um and then that is what creates that sort of traditionalism is what creates their social cohesion and so like um and so, yeah, you if you, if you're an outsider and you're walking into this like into this this group, it's very intimidating because they're so co like close knit, and you're the outsider. That's intimidating. But then, like in people's in in a culture's past, there are monsters. Like there are th like right. 
and that's that sort of gets um highlighted in, in the feast um it's based on a welsh mm. uh like bog monster oh. thing or like or it's like some sort of like undead spirit woman who like lives in the ground and like fracking comes into play and stuff oh my gosh you should watch it it's really really good i've never seen it yeah it it sounds awesome. a ton of puke oh. so <laughs> and i just want to formally apologize if you listen to the finale of last season about how much i talked about vomit i know it was disturbing <laughs> it's fine we had a content warning and you told people, you know, the minute marks. <laughs> Which was like the whole episode. I was like six minutes to 46 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, I do just want to say I'll, I'll try to keep it under a limit. But sometimes it's the best part of a horror movie is talking about the like just nuts thing that you just saw on screen. <laughs> Apologies, <True>. but... Um, <laughs> Wait, do you know about the whole like return culture, like that meme on like Twitter? No. It's like, it, it's this, uh, it's spelled in all caps, R-E-T-V-R-N. And it's like, um, and it's meant to be like a dog whistle for like trad, like really mm -hmm. trad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that it's like the masculine version of cottagecore. This is like the raw meat group or? Well, I mean, the raw meat group can, yeah, can collapse into it in some ways, but it's also like, it's also like, you know, it, it's the, it's the male counterpart to the women who are cottagecore, who are like yeah. making are, the home and these men are like hunting yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Essentially. No, they're like, they're very like uber masculine kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, they're the provider. Yeah, yeah, uber masculine and also like and I I don't know. Well, I see a lot of interesting crossover between like the very vocal Bitcoin where it's like and the return people where it's like return to like traditionalist values, but like but uh wanting so I don't know, that's a whole other subculture that is like really interesting to me, but like wanting the technological pro progress. Mm. Um weird yeah yeah and 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 I guess I don't know I mean it's a visual signifier because it's the v and like some people will say like return <laughs> um but it's like return I always like read it as like this ominous sounding thing anyway um and yeah so that like subculture is very much present in in uh folk horror and also also okay so the movies that we're reviewing today um Sorry, I just feel like it's really telling that there's a squirrel <laughs> on the opposite roof staring directly at me into this window really ominously. Like he's about to jump. That is, that's such, a, <laughs> like, that's such an aesthetic. <laughs> I'm being watched. Woodland creatures are like coming. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I, They're like, he, he's still looking, but I think we, <laughs> <laughs> it's, so like it's, it's really freaky. <laughs> it's like, like return, get rid of civilization, get rid of the <laughs> urban. Yeah. 
that's weird. Well, let me know how that pans out with the spoil. Yeah. I'm sorry. Do you have a nut? Nope. He's just oh. on top of this roof, just really like hunched over, like <laughs> it's very ominous. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so the movies that we're reviewing in this episode. Um <laughs> are the original and the remake of The Wicker Man, The Wicker Men, if you will. Um, and as I was watching them, I was like, wait, this is also like uh, the perverse version of Cottagecore. <laughs> like we had our Cottagecore. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Cottagecore gone wrong. Um, yeah, we're nothing if not looking at both examining both sides like <laughs> call me by your name gone wrong is the talented mr ripley um yeah um but i wanted to share an anecdote about when i was watching i decided to watch both of these movies back to back because i love a double feature mm-hmm. love a compare and contrast and um and it was pretty late by the time i watched them in reverse order i did the 2006 version and then the one from the 70s the original and it was pretty late by the time I finished uh, with the original. It was like, I don't know, 1230 at night. And I had like already moved to like watching it from my bed. Um, and I had like a little intermission, got ready for bed and watched the second one. Um, but I had like, I was pretty tired. I had like nodded off a little bit and then, but I saw the full ending. I saw the, the ritual and um and the whole ending and like it always fucks me up like the animals getting burned in the thing like that fucks I, me up yeah. worse than the dude <laughs> um but uh but anyway so watch that and then I must have nodded off like right when the credits started rolling and it must have been just for like two or three minutes because I woke up came to and the credits were still going um and Oh my God. It was so insane. Okay. So I sleep with my bedroom window open to let the cold air. And I mean, the curtains are drawn or whatever, but like the, the window is fully open. And so I usually can like hear things. Um, if it, like car is going down the street or whatever, it's open. My window faces the courtyard, but, um, I, I was so freaked out. I was so freaked out. What? So I like open, uh, it was like the, this aroma, like right beneath my window. It was so uh. close of campfire of burning wood campfire. And I was, I freaked out because (laughs) I'm like, I was so freaked out because I had just woken up and I had just like (laughs) watched both of these movies. And I was like, what is burning? I was, and it was weird because um, normally I can like, if if I walk outside, I can like smell if a neighbor is grilling or something, but this was Mm -hmm. at 1230 at night. Yeah. Like, this was midnight and so maybe someone was doing like a bonfire thing late on a Saturday you couldn't see anything no and it was also it's weird that it was like coming that it was so close to my bedroom window usually like the aroma if it's like a neighbor you know because I live in an apartment complex so I don't really have a house right next to me that it was and I yeah I freaked out (laughs) and then I had nightmares too which to be expected but yeah oh my god (laughs) Yeah, it was so freaky. The wicker man came to what's the oh what's God. the line? The hunt the hunted. I'm those who hunt are oh, the hunted right, and the hunt. Yeah. I don't know. It was one of those lines that like transferred over between the original and the, yeah. 
Anyway, so that's my anecdote. I got visited <laughs> by the wicker man. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I had seen the original wicker man at some point. I actually don't know if I had watched all the way through. And then this was the first time watching the remake. I had seen a super cut yeah. of the remake of Nicolas Cage um, punching women. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was going to say, like, a super cut is really, like, all that it kind of is. Like, the last, like, 30 minutes are him just, like, drop kicking women. Yeah. <laughs> the last 30 minutes really make that movie. But um, <laughs> I guess just in general about the Wicker Man is that I think the original is kind of always the reference of like, oh, a folklore Wicker Man. Yeah. Like yeah. that is the sort of keynote that everyone refers to mm-hmm. if they're trying to explain what Wicker Man is. Um, should we begin with the original? Yeah. Or just flow between yeah, the two? Yeah, because I think that it, um, I think it'll naturally flow between the two, but I think that given that it seems well okay so it seems like the intention behind the original is like true to how a folk horror genre started like Mm -hmm. wanting to examine a sort of isolated culture um Mm -hmm. yeah so at the the basic premise is um that there's a, a police officer who is searching for a missing child a missing a missing girl has been reported on a remote island um off of the coast of Scotland and the island is called Summer Isle. In the 2006 version, it's called Summer's Isle outside of Seattle. (laughs) I know. I laughed. I was like, of course, it's the Pacific Northwest. Uh... (laughs) I actually saw the the 2006 version was the very, was, I saw that first when I was like a 14 year old, me and my mom used to like, especially on three day weekends when like I would have off like the school day off and she would have off from work like we would rent movies and we would just like I don't know it must have been our goal to like rent the weirdest fucking things (laughs) because that's what we would do and and yeah we rented that one and I remember being like very frightened as a 14 year old but anyway um yeah the basic premise is uh this police officer is called out to this island to look for this missing girl and um on Summer Isle it's uh, the, the culture there, presumably because they're so remote and they're an island, they like grow their own food. They're very connected to their pagan roots. And the police officer is sort of like from the modern world, air Mm -hmm. quotes, and is kind of like totally put off and freaked out by their ways. And then, um, come to find out, um, there's like a, it's like a early May, like pagan celebration that they're that they're ritualizing on the island come to find out the cop has actually been lured there um and he was a part of like there's there's a bad there was a bad crop on the island the year prior and the people of summer isle um have to make a sacrifice to the wicker man to bring back to to make sure that it's a good crop and it's a good growing season and you find out that this cop has been lured and like they set a trap for him um the girl is not actually missing um everybody was just kind of like playing along and he is their sacrifice and he gets um put up in a giant wicker man this giant effigy and um and he gets burned alive (laughs) 
And that's Woo. the end. It's <laughs> like midsummer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pagan rights. Somebody's got to burn. <laughs> um, and he's like their perfect sacrifice. I thought this was interesting because we didn't actually talk about it in midsummer, but it also plays a part here where it's sort of archetypal like Mm -hmm. tarot figures Mm -hmm, sort of mm -hmm. um but he represents well he's a virgin he's very very christian so he wasn't having sex outside of before marriage so he's a he's a virgin he represents focus focus right oh my god (laughs) that's the premise of focus focus (laughs) it is a virgin lights the candle and brings the witches okay sorry (laughs) I love that that was a kid's movie, but that was like a center plot point was virginity. Um, that one time I, so that's what prompt that movie prompted me to ask my mom what a virgin is. And like, she didn't really tell me. And like, I remember my sister was like embarrassed that I asked that question. Anyway. Okay. Shout out to Megan, my sister for enduring my cringe childhood. Anyway, sorry, go on. <clears throat> Uh, so he's a virgin he's a cop um who is like righteously pursuing the law so he they dub that kind of like the king like he comes in like a he's both a conqueror and a king he's coming Mm -hmm. in as um and he's a fool because he's been totally misled yeah he falls um, for it yeah through this trap and they even have him at dress up as the fool like trick him into dressing up in the jester costume mm-hmm. um and he's there willingly he's there of his own accord to find this missing girl or whatever it is hard i was so i thought that was interesting but it is really difficult in um the original midsummer to not root for the town folk to sacrifice this man <laughs> right right yeah he is awful <laughs> Yeah, he fully sucks. He sucks so much. And there's something about like he, there's something about the Christian in Midsommar who is going to extract information because he's an anthropology student. He's a PhD student or whatever. And so like, yeah, he's going willingly, but he's also going to like get information. Whereas like there's something that's a little bit at least more like righteous about the the dude. Um, Oh my God, what's his name? How? Howie something. <laughs> um, uh, but the, the guy, the guy go, the police officer going to the island, it's like for a righteous reason. Mm-hmm. And he's, and he's getting trapped. He's getting lured there. Right. Different from Midsommar asshole. Right. Well, they also kind of got lowered, but not in the same way. Neil Howie. That's his name. Um, one also like super, well, I thought it was interesting of this. So the original um, work of men was in, from the seventies and it is very like folky in that there's like tons of folk songs and mm-hmm. it's a little bit like, oh, is this a condemnation of like hippie culture <laughs> alongside like paganism? Right, right. Um, and one interesting thing I thought about the, the plot of the original was that their paganism is 
not like they've just been secluded and continued to like do these practices for centuries. It's a recent return to them. Yeah. So like the Lord of Summer Isle played by Christopher Lee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, my grandfather came here um, and realized that to like really have great agriculture and people like really committed to it, you needed to make up a belief, like get them into a belief system where they yeah. were devoted to the agriculture. So we went back to like these paganism mm -hmm. roots. Mm -hmm. um, and now, you know, everyone believes and loves it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah and like, and the, the, um, the school, the school teacher and the class, it, it all feels very like indoctrination kind of mm -hmm. like it's very much a cult and like, she's like, what does the maypole symbolize? And all the girls are like the phallus. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel because it's in the seventies, it does definitely feel like um, it's a, it's a critique of like the free love, like sex revolution kind of thing. For sure. Yeah. There's a lot of that anxiety in there. Yeah. But at the same time, like Howie is so stuck up, um, you're like, just let them, let them do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's really quite unlikable, which is interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, I actually, the actor is, um, Edward Woodward and the, uh, and the character, the character of the girl who's missing in the 2006 version is Rowan Woodward. And she, she doesn't, she has the same first name in both movies, but she, but in the original, she's Rowan Morrison. And in 2006, she's Rowan Woodward, which I think is like a, an homage. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of yeah. Easter eggs. That's what I love about remakes. I mean, I love, yeah. Uh, there's tons of Easter eggs, little like referential moments but and that's another thing that was that was interesting to me watching them back to back is like the Nicolas Cage one is trying to be much more frightening trying to have a lot more <laughs> jump scares because it's being because it's made in 2006 and people are like desensitized I mean something like the Wicker Man is kind of disturbing and scary in the 70s because there's a lot of because you're not it, it's part of this like cultural revolution and like you're not used to like just people going against the grain kind of thing whatever but like in 2006 people are like desensitized because <laughs> um horror has been on the scene for a couple decades and so um so yeah it's it's definitely like it it the 1970s one just like has more substance <laughs> whereas like the Nicolas Cage one it's just like a lot of jump scares and like a lot of like personal disturbing psychological stuff yeah happening. and it's more exciting I'm just gonna yeah 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 it's a yeah. little more fun to watch in it's, my opinion yeah yeah um interesting though of course in the 1970s there's a lot of boobs um no <laughs> nakedness in the except for <laughs> that one time when she the the girl is dancing right and she's like right. completely naked in her room like trying that's so weird <laughs> There is so much music in the original version yeah. that I almost was like, does this count as a musical? <laughs> because there's so much singing. It feels like a musical. It feels like hair. <laughs> yeah. It's like nonstop. And I'm going to say only a couple of those songs are good. A yeah. lot of them is like, let's stop. <laughs> it's very cringy. Totally. Oh. <laughs> 
um uh the so in the 1970s one yeah he is dressed up as a gesture mm-hmm. to um in this in this the ritual day the celebration day but then in the Nicolas Cage one he's in a bear suit Ari Aster let us know if you <laughs> if this was an easter egg and homage to the wicker man that you put yeah. Christian in a bear suit <laughs> I know I was like there's a lot of similarities here. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. Um, oh, supposedly different, like, religions, presumably traditions that they're pulling from. But yeah, yeah, there's I think that it's pretty. It's pretty universal for so many cultures um, to burn effigies. I mean, mm, even across like true. Eastern Western divide. Um which I think is just like a reverence for fire um, and, and like a, a, an acknowledgement or recognition of fire, like cleansing, being a cleansing thing. Cause it wipes it, it wipes everything out and like, yeah. you just have to like start from scratch kind of thing. Um, the so. bear too, I assume is pretty prevalent. Like I'm thinking also like in a lot of Russian myths, Oh yeah. There's like this kind of the spirit of the bear and winter and, you know, kind of tied together. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, I, uh, um, looking at my notes, uh, oh, that, that was one thing that I was going to bring up when I said that the 1970s, it feels like it has this intention, like a, a, a lot of intention mm. they have this title card at the beginning that's like we thank the people of summer isle for like letting us get a glimpse into their culture or whatever and um and didn't the actual lord of summer isle like con- he like consulted on the film or something <laughs> i did not know that i don't i i wonder if i read that somewhere i feel like i read that somewhere um a while ago I don't know if I'll be able to find it again. You can choose to believe it. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, there's like a sense of like they, um, the producers really wanted to like tell a story. And and a, it's that to me is also like a perfect example of this like inverse of like the other, um, like the dominating Christian person is is no longer the dominating. He's the marginalized. He is the other mm-hmm. and he is singled out. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I think that there's, uh, there's a lot more like drug induced, like psychosis in the 2006 one. Mm. Like there's, um, they, t- cause in the 1970s, it's sort of like, he goes into this he goes into the inn or the boarding house and um, they're like, oh yeah, we don't have any more apples. And like, we don't, he's like, oh, you're an island that is known for your agriculture export. Like, and you don't have, and you're like feeding me canned peaches or something kind of thing. And it's just sort of like, you know, whatever, like nodding to the the agriculture issues, whatever um, little clues. But uh, in the 2006 version, it's like their, their main export is honey. And like, yeah. he, they're like, <laughs> Oh, and he's also allergic to bees and that's like the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they like take away his EpiPens or something. 
and then dress him up as a bear. <laughs> um, but, uh, but like they give him mead and stuff in the 2006 version. And it feels that also, um, hearkened back for me to Midsommar, um, the like, oh, this is drug induced. So like it, the more intoxicated they can make someone, the more they can like pull the wool over their eyes kind of thing mm. and like trick them. Um, Yeah. So I thought that that was something that I noticed that wasn't super present in the 1970s one. It seems like the real cultural critique was like the hip, yeah, the hippie free love revolution. <laughs> right. Right. Though I feel like by the end of it, you're like, go hippies. Like this cop sucks. Um, <laughs> it does. Uh, yeah. They really do not make him likable. No, no, they don't. And it's the same with Nicolas Cage. They, they give Nicolas Cage like some room to be heroic. Like he yeah. is like trying to uh, find this little girl. Also, okay, okay, wait. Here's like a, a like a plot hole that I really bothered me. So there's a whole part where like Nicolas Cage is trying. He's like following the like spirit of this girl. He's like whatever has like a hunch, intuition. He thinks that he's hallucinating, but in fact he's actually seeing the real Rowan because she is alive and she's not missing. She's just like the trap. Um, oh, bear trap. There's so much mm. symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a part where she like leads him to this well and he goes and he's swimming mm-hmm. in the well. And then he is like, someone puts a, puts a boulder over the gate, um, like the, the sewer gate. And he like presumably spends the night with his like legs in the water. And he's like breathing through the little like pocket of air, Nicholas cages. Um, and then the next day, his like ex-wife lady or whatever finds him and, and rescues him and brings him out of the water. And then he's like running around and like, you know, he doesn't have time to change, obviously. Anyway, a few hours later, he like whips out his cell phone and like he randomly gets a pocket of like service and someone's trying to call him. And I'm like, that dude, like a cell phone from 2006 is definitely not going to fucking survive <laughs> after being submerged in the water. <laughs> Yeah, that I was bothered by that detail. <laughs> there were some questions because in the the original, like they're doing a lot of this stuff to him to like test him um, to see that he's like the proper sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't really sure if they were just testing him in the remake or just torturing him. <laughs> Well, and there's also this like weird, like, cause in, in the original, it's a normal community, um, like a, uh, fairly balanced between the genders right. in the 2006 version. It seems a little bit like, it's just like a cult of women who want to kill a man. <laughs> yeah. There's like, he's like, where are all the men? You hate men. And I was like, oh wait, is the critique here women? Yeah, is this is what you're critiquing in society. It's like so in the remake, it seems that the essentially they're witches. Yeah. Like, yeah. They have a story about like landing in Salem and then like moving west. And then they just keep moving west. So they're colonizer witches. Um <laughs> who are like getting back at men for being burned at the stake by burning them. I, I yeah, I guess so. And then <laughs> there are a few guys there, but it also seems like one of the reasons why his ex-girlfriend 
fiance, whatever, um, who is Rowan's mom, even went, she was out in the world when he met her. He didn't know anything about this community. Went out to find him as like to breed, you know, to get pregnant. And then eventually lure him back to Summer Isle so they could sacrifice him. Um, there's a line too that's like that's like uh it's it's like something about men, like it's something about them hating men. Like yeah. it's very clear. Um and then you see the cycle start over when none other than James Franco shows up at the very end. It's like six months later. And it wait, that wasn't in my version. What? But I got it. <laughs> I that wasn't in my version. I got a DVD version. It was like the director's alternate ending. And I thought that was like an option, but maybe that's all I saw. It Uh-oh. well in it in, just ends with him burning. That's it. That's how ours ended. Yeah. And then I think I can't remember if this happens after the first few credits or if it happens oh. immediately, but um, but it's basically like six months later, and then um and then you're back in Seattle at a bar and it's James Franco. It's James Franco. And it's that one dude. Wait, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to look, I have to look this up. Um, I cannot believe I'm so mad. Um, hold on. I need to get the cast because, um, is it Lily? Is Lily out there? It's yep. Yep. Knew it. (laughs) I love that you knew that because I was like, and that one guy, (laughs) Um, it's, uh, yeah, wait, hold on. Um, Lily Sobieski is, is seducing the dude. Hold on. Who's the dude? It's that one guy. Um, <laughs> hold on. Wait, do on, I see I him earlier in the movie? No, we don't. Oh, it's, oh, okay. it's he like, he shows up at the very end. Um, um, with James Franco. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like taking so long to find this on the IMDb. We'll cut this out. Uh... <gasps> I can't believe Jason it. Ritter. It's Jason Ritter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, he's the one who's paired with Lily Sobieski. And, uh... <laughs> and James Franco is getting seduced and captured by, um, What's her face? Kate Behan. Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, it's like six months later <clears throat> and, um, and then James Franco turns around and he's like with, uh, he's with Jason Ritter and they're like, Oh, let's get some girls. And then they run into those two and they're like dressed as modern women and they're in this bar. And Lily Sobieski is like, um, can I ask you a question when you leave here? will you take me with you? <laughs> um, Which she also asks of Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, that's the ending. I, I thought that you changed. were, I thought that I, I was surprised that you weren't bringing that up sooner. <laughs> I didn't know. But it does say, yeah, it like, is like, oh, witches. I was like, I feel like this is sort of like, anti-women yeah it certainly feels that way (laughs) wait it's like feminism 
that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do think like, women just want to kill dudes. <laughs> yeah. That the director of this has been accused of his works having oh. very misogynistic undertone. Oh, oh, I thought you were going to so, say he was me too. I not that I know of, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it kind of bleeds in. Um, yeah. yeah, because like Nicolas Cage is like, what's wrong with men? And they're like, nothing's wrong with men. They're just like, we're not subservient to them. And it's like, you barely, like a man never speaks in the movie besides Nicolas Cage. And I, <laughs> I think Nicolas Cage is like supposed to be like domineering mm-hmm. in a very masculine way. Um, so obviously they hate that but yeah and he is and he like beats them up (laughs) he literally punches so many women in the face like five and there's like that ending scene where all of the villagers are oh yeah Yeah. like roundhouse kicks them yes yes (laughs) it's crazy but also the the i was laughing my head off because um in the original it it shows them dragging uh, Neil to the um, to the effigy, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh God, oh Jesus Christ, no!" And he's like, <laughs> um, he's freaking out, and he and you're just like seeing him struggle against people. In the Nicolas Cage version, it just like you all you he- you just hear it. You just hear Nicolas Cage yelling. Oh my <laughs> like, God! <laughs> that's that's it. He's just like, "Oh, oh God, oh God. my God." <laughs> But then the funniest thing, this, this killed me. He goes, cause you can hear them like breaking his bones and he's like, oh, my leg. And that's like in SpongeBob. That's like the SpongeBob joke. <laughs> like, like SpongeBob has that, like, it's like the, not a laugh track, but like a track of chaos happening. And it's always like some random person being like my leg. <laughs> I was like, this is a cartoon. <laughs> it it really feels like Nicolas Cage is almost wasted as the lead until the last like 30, 40 minutes where he gets to go. He gets to be Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Cause the, yeah, it doesn't seem like they quite know what to do with him until they like let him go and he gets to yell, why is it burned? Why is it burned? Why is it burned? <laughs> Oh my god. I love Nicolas Cage. I know. I know. Um, there's also I also thought it was funny that they like have this whole like psychological drama happening, like Nicolas Cage's past. Yes. Because like it opens with like this extremely disturbing, like final destination kind of thing. Where like he final destination. <laughs> and also, I just want to know like who the stuntman was because it's so over the top. It is so extra. Like Nicolas Cage basically like sees this, like he like pulls over a car or something on the side of a highway. And it's like a single mom and her daughter. The daughter looks exactly like Rowan. So it's like a foreshadow. Um, And Rowan is his his daughter. Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, his, what is it called? Um, Estranged daughter. Anyway. Yeah. He stops them and, um, and then like is has to like the dot the girl throws her teddy bear out the window so he goes across the road to get it but while he's across the road like a semi runs into the <laughs> to the car and he's like oh and then like 
And then the front of the car is burning. The mom is dead, but the little girl is alive. And he's trying to get the little girl out of the back windshield. And then the car blows up. <laughs> and then like the, the explosion like propels him. And like the stunt man is just so extra. It, he does this like gymnastic, <laughs> like flip. <laughs> it is, um, have you ever seen the movie, The Changeling? No, <laughs> oh, that's like an 80s haunted house movie. And it's much more subdued, but it begins in the same way, except it's his own, his own family, like yeah. the car stalled in the snow. And it's like much more like my kid and wife died because a truck ran into them. But it, I was like, is this supposed to be a reference? Because it does feel way more just like final destination, like insanity. And you're like, this is how it begins. yeah yeah so you have that as part of his like backstory he has like psychological issues right they do they give him as a character much more like personality i guess than the original yeah the original the only flashback you really see is like him delivering sermons yeah in in church church. (laughs) do you at the very end um of the original when he's burning and he like is praying and stuff mm-hmm. he yells out i think he yells out daniel oh i think i know yeah i yeah is I, that i, I was that. like okay i was like looking this up i was like is it a reference to like daniel and the lion's pit but then someone online said um well daniel is like the teacher of shadrach meshach and abednego who mm-hmm. do get saved from a pit of fire huh I don't know. I was like, that seems like a reach. That's layered. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel seems just kind of odd. Yeah. Odd way to end it. Yeah. Well, and maybe it is that maybe it is like a true reference because that is kind of random. It is. Um, the thing that I wanted to bring up, and I was like, when I was last night, when in the when I was in the cinematic atmospheric (laughs) vibe, um the the cinema was working you know like the idea that like you are so wrapped up that you like are like in the in the environment and like Mm. you don't know that the train is not real you like think that the train is coming out you kind of thing that it totally had that effect on me these movies do uh but anyway when I was like wrapped up in it I was having this like epiphany and then I was thinking about it this morning again and I was like maybe that was the whole point and I'm like just like getting the point but anyway uh the the similarity between the police officer and Jesus and Ah. it seems like it's supposed to be this like whole thing um and they and they it to me the the idea was coming to me when I was watching the remake and I was just like oh yeah like you have to come here willingly you're the sacrifice you're the sacrificial lamb and I was like okay so it's like very clearly like drawing the comparisons are like illuminating the fact that Christianity is just paganism mm-hmm. and like Jesus is the wicker man. Jesus is the sacrifice um, mm. and is the effigy that is getting killed like very publicly and people are gathered around whatever. But then when I was watching the, um, the original, they really draw that out. They make that a point because um, the Lord of Summer Isle is like, you're uh you are the martyr, you get to be the martyr kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they really like draw that comparison. And to me, it seemed like it, 
it was like, okay, is the message, the epiphany that I was having, I was like, oh my God, the message is that like, there is no difference between paganism and Christianity. There is no, there's just this like weird moralism that Neil is making up in his head. And, but in reality, like they're just sacrificing in the same way that like Jesus was a sacrifice, like, and, and Mm. Jesus went there willingly, all this stuff, but maybe that's the point. Maybe that was the whole point. And I'm not having like an epiphany. (laughs) No, I mean, I think it's there, but not really. I don't think it's said explicitly. And I think it's good that you bring up because they do have at one point, Neil with the Lord of Summer Isle, because there's all of these women, girls, maybe um, jumping naked (laughs) over a fire. Oh yeah. What the heck is going on? He's like, oh, they're, they're asking for like the God of fire to impregnate them, you know, or whatever. And he's like, what? And he's like, wouldn't you rather be impregnated by God than like some random dude? (laughs) He's like, that's insane like you guys don't have biology here and he's like what about mary yeah are you are you joking me like is that not exactly what mary is um and he like kind of shuts him up for like a second so i do think there is may and maybe it's a i feel like it's twofold it's that like there isn't a jump between paganism and christianity that they they're kind of basing on the same yeah the same sacrificial um belief and also that like religion can be a tool to manipulate yeah and and control people right right um yeah and I think that it's sort of like there the only distinction to be made between Christianity and paganism is like and and maybe sort of what the underlying message is is like why is this wrong to sacrifice a man just because like you only did it once 2000 years ago like you still did it like christians or like people still sacrificed these people and executed people in publicly and yeah. like just because we're doing it as a prayer and like you came here willingly kind of again this like you came here willingly like we needed to make sure whatever. And it's just like, the only difference is like, we're continuing the practice. We've returned all the way back to <laughs> right. Christianity kind of thing. And we're still doing the sacrifice, but essentially the same thing happened with, with Jesus. So what's the difference? <laughs> it, no, that's an excellent point, especially the emphasis on the willing part. Cause that yeah. is also such a huge part of Christianity that he like sacrificed willingly. Yeah. And yeah. that like you as a Christian are also expect to sacrifice, to sacrifice things in your life. Yeah. You know, willingly for God. Yeah. And that martyr, martyr, martyrdom, there we go. Um, it's like the highest, right. It's a noble, noble thing. Yeah. Right. It's the highest Christian value at least historically yeah there's a sense of like hey man live out your christian values like why are you getting mad at us for live like actually living out our pagan values right. you should consider living out yours instead of just being preachy yeah, he is preachy <laughs> well, like immediately he like gets in that bar and he's like you guys are singing, singing about sex. Get out of here. And uh, there's also, it's just so funny because like Nicolas Cage, when he arrives on the island and like the women are there and they're like, this is a private island. You can't be here. He's like, I'm a cop. 
uh, from California, by the way, not even the state of Washington. It's so funny. He's like, yeah. what's wrong with my investigation? And they're like, you literally have no authority here. And then he's like, yes, I do. <laughs> oh my God. Which is very like, that's also very like 2006, like, uh, like fresh, freshly post 9-11, like all surveillance is good. <laughs> yeah. Right. I do love that it's this island off of Washington because- everyone I've ever met who's from an island off of Washington is a little weird (laughs) and it does seem like they grew up in a cult Um, (laughs) I cannot share this story on this podcast but there was one story that this girl told me about growing like stuff they did and I was like mouth dropped shocked that you would share that with any other human being Oh my God. And it seems like it's something out of Wicker Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what the character says. She's like, I know that, like, she says that to Nicolas Cage. She's like, she's like, it was my choice to return. And like, I know that, you know, that it was, I had a weird childhood or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, it. It's funny to see it moved from like the UK to the US because you do have to do quite a bit of translating because in the UK it totally makes sense that it's like oh it's this tiny remote island that like is still pagan you know or or something like that the U.S. you have to do a bit of explaining of like how you got here and (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and why (laughs) what maybe why they felt the need to like I don't know characterize so much I don't know. I don't know. Like give Nicolas Cage such a backstory instead. Right. Instead of the other, the group there. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Love it. Iconic. Great way to start the season. It is. It's, it's an incredible movie. (laughs) And yeah. Can't wait for more. Oh yeah. It's, I feel like the way this season will pan out is a lot of focus on like contemporary takes on um on folklore and like how that fits into like modernity how it fits into contemporary culture which i'm excited to talk about because you can already see like the hardship of the remake um and how to explain it with like technology and and surveillance culture and you know all yeah. this stuff yeah yeah I think that what is also really exciting um about our lineup <laughs> is uh the fact that there's a lot of full core stories that incorporate technology mm-hmm. that incorporate the internet and like video technology kind of stuff um dare I say found footage Ooh, I wonder what we're gonna watch <laughs> Um, I, there's this person on TikTok who was like, went kind of viral over the summer. Um, she's a folklorist and like, she would talk about, and, and like that she would like hold up her diploma, her master's degree diploma and be like, I have a master's in folklore. Um, which I assume is just like anthropology and like with a focus on 
folklore. But anyway, yeah. she's a folklorist and she um would just make these she was made these really interesting videos about lots of different things. But one of her interesting ones was like um she was just like any kind of like urban legend or like creepy pasta kind of stuff on the internet. She's like that's folklore being made now in the present. Yeah. And like, and that's just how human society is always going to, human society is always going to be self-referential and you're always like, you're never, you think of folklore and like legend as something of the past. You think that it's like, oh, like, oh, silly people. They like heard geothermal tectonics moving and thought it was a bog monster, those silly folk. But it's like, no, there's all sorts of shit happening with like, especially with like the burgeoning of AI and like, oh my God, did you hear about AI, the AI lobe? No. L-O-A-B. Ooh. Some like freaky, this like this, someone put like a certain pattern, phrase pattern into AI to gen- an AI generating image uh, uh, software. And like yeah, it, tur- yeah, yeah. it turned up this like extremely freaky looking woman. And then like they would do, I forget how, what they were combining, but they were like combining certain phrases that would like, that would carry this prompt that carry the, the like prompt formula that created her. And she shows up in all of these no. like, new prompts, and she's so freaky. She is so, and sometimes she's like holding decapitated like children's no. heads. She's really, really freaky. Look it up. L-O-A-B. Mama. And it's like it, she, people are calling it like the first internet cryptid um and stuff uh, <laughs> it's really really freaky like that. but that is like you know that's that's folklore in the making and like totally yeah um so we love it <laughs> <laughs> it's not just about the return <laughs> they love yeah. the v the bitch <laughs> Too. Um, yeah so see you next week <laughs> see ya bye did you know um there's a place on the internet where you can get exclusive access to sad girl syllabus news you can join our sad girls club by signing up for our newsletter at sadgirlsyllabus.com and with the newsletter you'll see updates on new episodes um announcements on content and stuff uh extra insights links reading lists resources um that don't make it into the podcast episodes and when you sign up you get a little gift from us it's a reading list um a true a, a sad girl syllabus actual syllabus <laughs> sad girls 101 and if you want to support the podcast you can head over to patreon.com slash sad girl syllabus and for five bucks a month you can watch all of our director's cut video episodes uh, and get bonus episodes uh, when they come out. Uh, If you like what you hear, also please think about rating the pod on Apple Podcasts, sharing this podcast with your friends. It's really the best way to support us uh, is to help spread the word. Uh, So subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram at Sad Girl Syllabus.